Well, good morning. How are you guys this morning? You are like the hardcore bunch that came out in the rain. I mean, hey, you can't, I guess you can't go to the beach, so you're, you're stuck here in the movie theater. But my name is Shayla. I am actually Pastor TJ's wife. For those of you, well, most of you know me because I'm usually over here at our Pompano Beach campus. I help to lead this campus, but I'm really excited to get to share with you guys inside of our series called Empty. Now, how many of you guys know we started this series last week? How many of you guys enjoyed Easter? Man, Easter was incredible. It was so cool to see all of our services packed out. So many people raised their hand in so many of the different services that we couldn't even count. That is an incredible problem to have at church is that when you can't count, when people are even responding to the message. And so we're in this series called Empty. And empty is all about like the grave was empty. And when the grave was empty, it meant that we could be full and we could live life to the full. And so, so many times there might be these empty spaces in life, but it doesn't mean that they have to stay that way. And so I'm super excited about the the series Empty. We're going to continue it next week. Pastor TJ will be kind of back in the saddle again. But I am so thankful for my husband, not just as my husband, but also as my pastor. How many of you guys are just grateful to have a pastor that teaches with so much passion and just so much heart? Yes, give it up for him. You know, it, it takes so much to, to prepare a message and to really dive into all of the content and then pre- present it in a way where, that it, where it's life-changing, where you can walk away with something and begin to apply it to your life. And I'm so thankful for a guy that pours so much of his life into those things so that we can learn and we can grow and we can uncover the things that, that God wants for us. And so I thought it would be fun today to kind of give you guys a little bit of history about TJ and I. Actually, coming up next month in May, we have our 17th wedding anniversary. 17 years. I know you're saying, what did you do? Get married when you were 10? Yes. Uh, we had an arranged marriage, and we were 10 years old. We've been kind of working it out ever since. But 17 years. And in that 17 years, we have so many memories and so much history and so many just amazing things to hold on to. And so I thought I'd show you guys just a couple of pictures throughout our life. And so I'm going to show, show one of these up here. The one on the top left, like baby TJ and Shayla with hair. And he, I think we were probably... 19 years old in that picture. We were kind of helping lead a youth camp. I actually still wish I have those overalls because they're coming back in style now. But the picture on the right, the top right, is TJ and I the night we got engaged. And it was so funny. The night we got engaged, it was on the beach, and it kind of felt the whole time while we were walking like somebody was following us. And I was like, this is just kind of weird and awkward. And so we're going, and, and all of a sudden, TJ just stops, and he's like, I have a question for you. And he gets down on his knee, and he says, Shayla, will you marry me? And all of a sudden, there's all of these flashes going on. And I was like, do you have somebody following you to take pictures? He's like, yeah. I was like, that was weird. But I appreciated the effort. He is, he is such a good man. But the bottom left is actually TJ's 30th birthday. We did a 70s party because he was born in the 70s. And so just so much history and memories. And then we got married, and we have a couple pictures of my wedding. You guys can throw those up there. That one's kind of blurry. But 
our wedding on the beach. You can throw up the next one. Something interesting fact, you're probably, Shayla, why are you wearing a purple dress? It's your wedding. Well, everybody that came to our wedding, all of our guests, we had wear black and white. And all of our bridesmaids and, and groomsmen all wore black and white. And I was the only person at the wedding in color. And so it's like a, just a different way to do it, but such a great memory. And then we had a picture, I think, of us once we got engaged. Again, baby TJ Shayla. And then there's a more, there's a current one. And this one was actually last year. We were in Cape Town, South Africa. And we had gone to Cape Town for a missions trip, but we decided, you know what, how many times are you in South Africa? Let's extend it a little bit and have a vacation. And TJ and I built some of the greatest memories of our life on that trip. And there's just so many things that we walk away with. And I have so many snapshots in my memory of great things that have happened in my life, of positive things that have happened in my life. And I'm sure you guys have always had a picture of what you thought your life was going to be like. The picture of, of life and how you thought it was going to turn out or your, your family or relationships or anything. You had this picture of what you thought it was going to be. But if you guys are anything like me, so much of these pictures represent happy memories and fullness and life and all of these things. But the reality is for me is that over the last 10 years, there's been something empty from my picture. There's been an unfulfilled desire. There's been an empty space that has never been filled. And I think so many of us in life, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, that emptiness in my own life, but I think a lot of us have an empty place in the picture of our life. We have something in life that is empty, the empty space where we maybe thought, hey, I would be married by now. Or the empty space where we thought we would have the job that we have worked so hard in school to get. Or maybe you thought, man, I thought my picture would look more like Joe, my neighbor down the road that has all the toys and the incredible life and all of these things that I wish I had. But I'm working day in and day out just so I can survive. I have some emptiness in my picture Maybe for you guys, the emptiness is a loss that, that you've experienced of a loved one. Or maybe it's a failed marriage and you never thought that that would be the picture that you had in your life. But there's this emptiness that you've experienced. Maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a depression. It's a depression that continues to, to overwhelm you, and you never thought that life would be like this, but there's this emptiness that is constantly present. Maybe for some of you, there is something in your picture that you planned on being there, but you didn't know it would feel this empty. Maybe it's the, the marriage that you walked into. You knew you would always be married, but why does this relationship feel so empty? Or maybe it's the kids that are in the picture. You thought, man, man, my kids are going to be perfect angels and everything is going to turn out amazing. But that's not your reality. And there's some emptiness and there's some struggles that are going on in your life. We all face some sort of emptiness in life. And the list just continues to go on and on and on. Those unmet things. 
those desires that, that aren't fulfilled. And sometimes that emptiness can be so deep that it begins to define who you are. You walk around with that depression and it defines you. You walk around without that relationship and it defines you. Sometimes our emptiness can be so deep that it dictates our every word, our every feeling, our every emotion. Because it feels like it's just constantly glaring at us in the face. And I think there's some, some people in the Bible and some stories in the Bible that are absolutely incredible, that can speak directly to our situations. No matter what situation you're in, the answer is in this book. And so many times we think, no, 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 I can't pick up the Bible. All that, I won't understand any of it. All it is is a bunch of rules and a bunch of religion, but that is a complete lie. Because there is so much life and there is so much hope that can come from these stories because there's experiences, there's people that have experienced the same thing that you're experiencing in life. And I want to share with you guys a story today from the book of Genesis. And it's Genesis chapter 15 and it's the story of Abram. And I'm going to read some of these verses to you. You can follow along on the screen. You can read on your notes or in your Bible. It says this, Sometimes, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And I'm going to pause here for just a second. Basically, what Abram is saying is, that's great, God, that you say you're going to bless me and protect me, and you're going to give me all of these good things, but there is a gaping hole in my life. There is an emptiness that I feel so deep that it doesn't matter what you give me, it is still present. And he's going, that's great, you're going to bless me, that's great, you're going to protect me, that's great, you're going to do all of those things, but I don't have a son. And I feel that so deep. And there's some of you guys that are experiencing the same thing. You're going, yeah, I know, God, that you'll bless me. I know, God, that you'll take care of me. I know, God, that you'll do all of these things, but my emptiness is so deep. And God continues on and he says, it says, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, look up at the skies and count the stars if you can. I imagine God being like, if you can. <laughs> That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram's emptiness was so deep, but yet he believed God anyways. And we're going to pick up the story a little bit later, but in between what, we're, what we read here and what we're going to read later, Abram tries to take God's promise into his own hands. He tries to make it happen himself. 
which is what we do so many times. We have these, this emptiness. We have this space in our life. We have this void, and we try to fill it with all of these other things. And it's where our insecurities come out. It's where our control come out. It's where all of these different things come out because we're trying to manage it by ourselves. And we were never intended to do that. And for me, I can identify so much with this deep emptiness that Abram was experiencing. And I know probably each one of you can in some form or fashion in your own life. But for me, that huge emptiness is the fact that my picture is missing a family. My picture is missing children. See, when I grew up, I was in a family of six kids, and I always thought, you know what? When I'm a mom, when I have my family, when all of this, TJ and I would dream, like, what are the names of our kids going to be? All of these different things. In one of our houses, we painted all the bedrooms to be kids' rooms because that was the picture that we had for our life. It wasn't happening. And about seven years into our marriage, I remember being like, you know what, maybe we should try to start having kids. Let's just start trying. And TJ really liked the trying part. Like, he would be, can we try? Can we try? Let's, let's try. All the time we were trying. And so we were trying to have kids, and it just, it was like days turned to weeks. And weeks turned to months. And then those months began to roll over into years. And still, there was an emptiness in my picture. And I remember as years went by, there was a particular week. And I have three younger sisters, and in one week, every single one of them called me to tell me they were pregnant. And I remember in that moment being like, I should be so happy. Like, this is the great, one of the greatest moments of all of my sister's lives. And I should be so overjoyed and happy and just excited for them. But I feel like somebody just punched me in the gut. Because what I've wanted for so long, they get to have. And I began to go, God, well, what's wrong with me? Here I am. I'm serving you. I'm doing all of the right things. Why isn't this happening for me? And I began to get so focused on what I didn't have. And so I remember at this point, it was like a defining moment. And TJ and I decided, you know what? We, we probably need to go to the doctor and figure out what's going on. And so we went to the doctor and we began to, both of us, go through all of these tests and all of these different things. And we were about to go back to the office to get to the results. And we were so excited and so expectant because we were going to have a next step. We were at least going to have a solution to the emptiness that was happening inside of us. We were at least going to be like, here's what's wrong and here's how you fix it. And so we go so excited and so expectant, and we sit down in front of this doctor. And I remember him opening up the chart and looking at the both of us and saying, okay, well, you have a less than 2% chance that you'll ever have children. I was like, excuse me? 
I think he just had to throw out a statistic because he couldn't say zero. And in that moment, that pit got even deeper. Because now, I didn't have a solution. All I had was more emptiness. And TJ and I went and we got in the car and we closed the door and we started the engine and we just looked at each other and just tears start flowing down our face. And we get in the car and we start driving and TJ looks over at me and he's like, Shayla, we have a choice. And I said, I know. He said, we can choose to focus on this or we can choose to worship. And we decided in that moment we're going to choose to worship. And we turned on some worship music and we drove down the road, tears flooding our face, just worshiping. And you know what? Doing that didn't change my situation. Didn't change anything that was happening around me. And actually, I still felt this hole. I still felt this emptiness. But I knew I had to change my focus and my attention. And there are some valuable things that I have learned in walking this journey in my life. Because I am very much on the other side of that emptiness now. I might not have that thing in my picture yet. But I want to tell you guys something today that I hope that you can grab onto. In whatever space you're in, and whatever emptiness that you're feeling, and it's this, you can have an empty space in your life, but you do not have to live an empty life. You can have an empty space in your life, but you do not have to live an empty life. Because the reality of my life is there is still an empty space. But that empty space doesn't dictate how I live my life and the joy and the hope and the expectation that I can feel. And there's been a process to get there. And I want to share with you guys just a couple things, a couple short things on how I feel like this could help you to get to that exact place in your own life. And the first thing is this. Your focus determines the quality of your reality. Your focus determines the quality of your reality. If all you see is the emptiness, if all you see is the problem, if all you see is what you don't have, you will feel empty because that's what you're focused on and that's what you see. There's a saying that I heard one time that says, you can't live a positive life with a negative mind. And I think so many times we get so fixated on the problem and the emptiness and the hurt and the disappointment. And for a long time, I walked around and you know what I saw constantly? I would be walking through the mall and all I saw was the pregnant women. I would be around my friends and I would feel like all of them were having babies and families. I felt like everything I got invited to was a baby shower. Because that was my focus. And I don't know what that empty space in your life is. Maybe it's being single. And all you see is your friends getting married. 
Maybe it's healthy marriages and all you focus on is the fact that you don't have the one that you wanted. So your focus determines the quality of your reality. I have a puppy. You guys might have heard about him. His name's Preacher. And we're going to throw up a little picture. Aww, that's Preacher. Preacher has a lot of empty spaces in his life, let me tell you. So Preacher is not allowed to do a couple things. He's not allowed to get on the couch, and he desperately wants to. Like, he feels, I feel like that's an empty space in his life. Like, I want to be where you are. So he can't get on the couch. He is not allowed to bite, and he is not allowed to hump dogs at the dog park. So, like, a few things that he just feels so desperately empty in. And so we've learned in training, Preacher, the power of positive reinforcement. And so what you do is I carry a treat with me all of, t- all of the time so that I can try to distract him from the thing that he feels like he needs or that is empty in his own life. And so I am always carrying around a treat. Well, here's the deal. Preacher feels this intense emptiness, and he needs to get on the couch. And so he tries to get on the couch, and we say no, and I, ha- I have a treat, but then I try to get him off of the couch, and then he tries to bite me because he wants to be on the couch. But then because he's so energetic and he wants to bite me, then we try to take him to the dog park to get the energy out, and then he tries to hump other dogs because he has so much emptiness in his life. If he would just turn around... And he would quit focusing on the thing that he can't have, and he would focus on the thing that's in my hand. It would change everything. And I think so many times we get so fixated on the empty spaces in our life that we miss the good things across the room. See, I, for so long, was focused on the fact that I did not have children when what I really needed to do was to shift my focus onto the good things in my life. I had an incredible marriage. I had an incredible job. I was in ministry doing great things. There were so many good things in my life, but that empty space was what was getting all of my focus. And when I began to shift my focus onto a great marriage and a great job and awesome ministry and all of those things, everything began to change. But so many of us focus on the wrong thing that we sacrifice the good things in our life. We sacrifice the treat across the room because we're so focused on the thing that we don't have. See, your focus determines the quality of your reality. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And here's what I've learned. You might not be able to control what's happening in your life, the context of the things that are happening, but you can control the content. You might not be able to control what's happening around you, but you can control what's going on in here. See, your focus determines the quality of your reality. We have to begin to focus on the right things and the good things. Because your focus matters. The next thing that I learned was actually one of the most important things that I have ever learned in my life. 
There are tools that I still use to this day, and I've learned it in the empty season of my life, and I hope that you guys can walk away with this tool today. And that's this, always allow God to fill the empty space. And I know you might be sitting there and you might say, Shayla, that's great. Allow God to fill the empty space. That's so cliche. That's what you're supposed to say. Like you're a Christian, you're a leader, you're up there preaching. That's what preachers say. Allow God to do it. But how do I do that? Because it's so difficult sometimes to allow God to come in and begin to change those things. And I want to go back to the story of Abram for a minute. Because I think there's something extremely significant that happens in this story. And I think it can make a difference for your story, and I know it made a difference for mine. And so let's pick back up 24 years after we were reading before, and it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. He says, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life because Abram already tried to take it into his own hands before and he jacked it up. And he says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. And at this, Abram fell face down on the ground. And I think Abram fell face down on the ground because God was touching that emptiness in his life again. He was probably going, seriously, God, about the kids again? And you're going to give me all of these descendants? I haven't seen it yet. And it hurts in my life. And he falls face down. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And then he says, what's more is I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. And your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. And I just want to stop right there for a second. Because if I were Abram, I would be sitting there going, man, God, you're messing with me here. I have been Abram for 99 years, and you're telling me you want to change my name? Why? Like, that's my identity. That's who I have always been. And you're stepping in and going, yeah, I want to change your name to Abraham. Well, no, people know me as Abram. That's who I've been my entire life. And God goes, no, 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 now you're Abraham. But then he goes on with Abraham's wife, and he says, then God said to Abraham regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. But from now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. So he changes both of their names. And what he does, the only difference that he makes is he adds an H. Why? There is so much significance to this H. See, in the Hebrew language, that H, one of its meanings is breath of God. So basically, what God does is he breathes into their situation. He breathes. When you say the letter H, it's, it's kind of like breath check. 
You breathe. And I think that's exactly what God wants to do in our emptiness and in those spaces of our life that seem so empty, that have a void that's there. God wants to come in and he wants to breathe into your situation. He wants to give you a new identity, a new name, a new situation. You might have identified with that thing for so long, but God's going, no, I want to change. I want to breathe into your situation. And when we allow God into that space of our life, everything changes. And maybe you're sitting there and you're going, okay, Sheila, that's great. Allow God to breathe into my situation. Allow him to fill that empty space, but you still haven't told me how to do that. And here's where my valuable lesson in life came in. The practical piece of allowing God into my situation, into my emptiness. Because the fact is I had this empty hole for a long time. This empty space. And I had to begin to make some daily choices to fill this up. See, this emptiness doesn't fill itself. You have to choose to fill it with some stuff. And most of us, Fill it with worry and anxiety and insecurity and fear and all of these things. Daily we make decisions to do that, to feed into the emptiness. But here's the decision that I make. I, I realized that I had to make some daily choices. And every day I woke up, I had to say, Lord, I feel so empty. I feel so broken. I need you to fill this space in my life. And I couldn't wake up and just do that one time and expect to feel full and changed and everything's different in my life because I prayed one time. No, it was a daily choice. It was an hourly choice. Every single day I'd wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible today because I just, I need to be filled up. And some of you are going, I don't even know how to read my Bible. Listen, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 days in a month usually. Today's the 23rd. Go read Proverbs 23. I read through Proverbs every single month. If you don't know how to read the Bible, go grab a devotional off of the information center and begin to read through that. But every day you have to make choices to fill that space in your life. Lord, I need you. I need to surround myself with the right people. Put the right people in my life. Man, I need to get involved in this connect group or start serving in church or making a difference. Lord, I need you this morning. And we have to make continual choices that fill that space in our life. Which leads me to my last point. And it's repeat. And you say, Shayla, what does repeat mean? It means that you have to get up every day and you have to say, Lord, I'm taking my focus off my emptiness and I'm placing it on you. And God, this morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, Lord, I need you. I need you. God, can you, can you just fill the space in my life? I feel so desperate. God, I, Lord, I choose to read your word today. And it says that your word is life. 
choose to, to spend time around the right people. Oops, I spent time with some wrong people. It's choices. Every single day, it's waking up and choosing to fill that space. And then you know what you do the next day? You wake up and you repeat. You know what you do the next day? You wake up and you repeat it again. Because this is what happened in my life. Is every single day I would wake up and I would choose to repeat the process. To fill up this empty space. And slowly, that empty space became less and less and less. And what my hope is for you guys today is that you'll be able to get to this place that I've been able to get to. And that's this place where you can have an empty space in your life, but you don't have to live an empty life. See, my empty space is still there. But there is nothing about my life that feels empty. Because daily choices will fill that space. And will make it less and less and less of the empty feeling. And way more like you have fullness and significance.